Hello and welcome to the Sheer Business Inspiration Podcast. Here you'll find conversations with business owners, leaders, thought leaders and inspiring individuals. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Sheer Business Inspiration Podcast. My name's Jo Faraday and I'm presenting episode two. I'm delighted to be welcoming today's episode, Ninda Johal. Now, for those of you that don't know Ninda, Ninda started his entrepreneurial career setting up Natural Records, a record company with a dream of hitting the mainstream charts, and he managed to do that after 10 hard years, registering number five in the UK charts, seven in the US charts, and a further nine number ones throughout Europe. To break the charts in the US, they had the opportunity to work with Jay-Z. Ninda also runs Natural Events, which host the Signature Awards and the Natural Entrepreneurship Awards, which take place in London, Birmingham, Leicester and Wolverhampton. Ninda will share with us his, his views and plans for taking it internationally. Natural have also diversified into publishing. And their new magazine, The Business Influencer, will be out in the next few weeks. Finally, Ninda holds a number of key positions within the West Midlands. Wolverhampton University, Accord Housing, Black Country LEP, West Midlands 5G, Chair of the Wolverhampton Towns Fund and former President of the Black Country Chamber of Commerce. Ninda has recently been appointed the Deputy Lieutenant of the West Midlands and we're delighted to be chatting with him today. So join us on episode two. So today we are joined by Ninda Johal. Ninda, welcome. I'm really delighted that you've been able to join us for this episode. How are you doing? Oh, fine. Listen, it's very good. You didn't hang around with your podcast. You, you got cracking straight away. And obviously, you, you know, we're working on one. And uh, uh, as I'll come out in about another four or five weeks, uh, it's called The Natural Podcast. So, but, well, well done. Good luck. No, thank you. I mean, I'm, I, I am a doer. And I, and I think at the moment, while, while we're in the situation we're in, yeah. I think we want to sort of, you know, appeal to the wider audiences out there and um you know i'm delighted to have you on you know there's so much that people you know would learn from for what you've got to say today so i'm um, really grateful and um, so for those of the, of the people that don't know you um you know tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you came to be doing what you do today yeah it's 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 a bit of a zigzag career i must concede so um i did my first degree um so i was born in birmingham and I did my first degree in Leeds, so I wanted to become an accountant. Uh, so the degree was in finance and accountancy. Um, so I graduated, so end of June, and then I spent July and August attending numerous interviews. Um, but unfortunately, I found all of them. So I, th- I think I crammed in, I crammed in about 18 interviews. That's a lot, it's a lot of interviews. Um, and what was quite clear to me was the accountancy profession clearly thought this guy's not an accountant. So <laughs> I, uh, 
very quickly. Do you remember this? We had, we had something called the Yellow Pages. I don't know if you remember. You I do. Them. I do remember. You <laughs> so I, I thumbed to the Yellow Pages, tried to find the nearest university in Aston, and I thought, well, what should I do with myself? And then I came across something called a Masters of Business Administration (MBA). So I did my MBA, um, got that, and then got myself a consultancy role. Fast forward quite quickly with uh, with Lucas. Uh, but of course, at the same time, um, I was enjoying my music, so I'm a musician. And so I was playing tabla, which is like uh, two drums, Asian drums, Indian drums. And so I was going with my band all over the country playing at big nightclubs and big gigs, and we were actually getting quite successful. So I had the problem, which was that during the night, I wouldn't get back till five from a nightclub having performed with the band. And then I'd have to be at work at seven in the morning at some part of the country because I was a consultant. So I went wherever the work the firm sent me. <clears throat> and what was clear, I couldn't do both. So I suppose that's the first time I started to think about entrepreneurship. But of course, the reason why that started to spark an interest was when the band was born, uh, so I was in my mid-twenties, and, and the band were roughly 18, 19. So I sort of became the manager of the band. And so I started to organize the band. And I think during that process, I learned a lot about leadership. Yeah. Because to lead a team of creatives at that age, you wow. learn quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> there's lots of, um, yeah, there's lots of distractions, yeah. isn't there? A lot lots of more at that age, yeah. yeah. And then obviously, <clears throat> we were touring quite a bit. So organizational ability had to come in. So we were touring in Denmark or Sweden, getting everybody corralled together. I learned about leadership in rehearsal studios and on stage because how do you keep a team of seven or eight performing in the same direction towards a common goal, but at the same time accommodating their creative flair? So I sort of learned that. Um, uh, engaging, negotiating with agents and managers and, and promoters, gaining insight into sort of negotiation and, yeah. and, and how to organize a business and so what I did realize at the time when I was running the band was that actually I was learning all of this stuff, yeah. which perhaps, no, not perhaps, definitely did not teach me on the MBA. So the MBA was more corporate, more corporate stuff. Yeah. But what I was learning was real nitty gritty of business, negotiation skills, yeah. making sure the money was right, the cash management was right. And of course, as a band, what we did, which was quite remarkable, um, I went to the band just as we were coming together. I went to the bank, uh, bank and I said uh, to the bank manager, I need 30 grand, which was a lot of money in the mid 80s. Yes, yeah. Uh, and he said, well, What do you need 30 grand for? Now, could you imagine using this line today? I said, I want it so I can set up a band. Could you imagine walking to a bank today <laughs> and saying, I need 50,000 pounds, I'd like to set up a band? Mm. I mean, you'd be laughed at. Uh, but of course, I'd just done an MBA. Yeah. So I understood I put a business plan together and I think yeah. is that all the scenarios, this much money coming in and thirty grand was a lot of money for keyboards, drum kits, you had, you had to buy all that gear, we had to buy a van to transport everyone. One of our most costly items, and I remember it cost one thousand two hundred pounds was something called a mobile phone. Wow. And 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 I remember when I when it was like a brick. And it I was going to say, was it, was it a bit? Yeah, was it yeah, yeah. And he came around and I thought, crikey, this is extraordinary. Yeah. And, and I remember sitting in restaurants, if a phone call would come through for a booking, I'd take it and everybody's sitting around, thinking, well, why is he talking into the... 
Uh, and of course, then people stopped ringing once mobile phones became more regular because people realized it was expensive to call somebody on a mobile phone. Yeah. Anyway, fast forward. So the band started to do well. And at that point, I had, I had a bit of a dream, which was that, look, this music, I loved it, this music. But, you know, one day it'd be lovely to get it in the charts. So that set me on my dream was to get Bhangra music, which is Asian dance music, into the charts. So I set up a label. Uh, and so I jacked my job in. My father could not believe what I'd just done. A degree, a master's, nice, comfortable consultancy role. Threw it all in. And his picture of what I was doing was, you know, Trotter's van, the yellow van? Yes, yeah. So he and he pulls the horses, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he pictured that. He pictured me opening the boot and out falling, falling out with cassettes and CDs. So oh. he sort of saw me as a bit of a trader, really. Um, you know, you know, I didn't ask anyone. I just went for it. My parents quite rightly said, that's a silly thing to be doing. Um, and a lot of people thought, well, crossing up into the charts, listen, you know where the next asylum is? You ought to make your way there. Uh, and, you know, for 10 years, it was quite tough. Uh, whilst we were building up what I call a catalogue, that was signing artists, we were only really selling to Asian people, if that makes sense. Because yeah. they, Remember, behind me, I had this dream that one day we'd cross into the charts now. I think realistically sitting back, that was a bit of a dream. But you've got the dream now. You've got the dream. Yeah. Then I thought, but then I thought, you know, for me then to get into these other markets, I need to go out. So I caught the plane and went to a place called Nice in Cannes, where they had the film festival. Yes. So every year all the record companies around the world would get together and they'd be selling it to the product. So I I I, I turned up with my rucksack full of CDs. Indian dance music, and you can imagine what they said. Don't understand the vocals. Don't understand the melody. Don't understand the instrumentation. Thank you very much. See ya. Bye-bye. But you know, persistence comes in, and if you have this dream, you keep going, you keep going. Yeah. I kept going year after year after year after year. And on my 10th year, I'd always ring in, by the way, when I land there, and I'd call my wife from Rindon and say, listen, I've landed. I'm just walking into the hotel. And she said, fine, uh, have a good one. And on the 10th year, she said, I think you ought to now call it a day. I don't think this is going to happen. And in that year, I picked up a, a little deal with, um, with an Italian company. You took a risk and said, look, I'm not going to pay you the money. I said, don't worry, just push the music. A Turkish company heard it and they rang me and said, yeah, music's a bit strange, but we could do something with it. We're not going to give you any money. I said, fine, just push it. Now, here's the, here's the bit of luck. Um, so the DJs actually started to smash the music in the clubs in Istanbul, started to get some traction. And Turkey, a lot of Turks live in Germany. So they went off to Germany, took the music with them. Okay. And it started to cause a bit of mayhem in the German clubs. Okay. So then I got a call from a big record company in Germany, Universal, said, uh, we'd like this track. We can't pronounce it. We don't know what you're singing in it, but it seems to be doing something. Rolling forward, uh, we start to get a lot of interest. And then I was at Oxford in London, Oxford Street. I heard the music. Uh, and as I turned around, there's a car full of young people, five people, in a beetle. The roof was off. They were dancing to the music. Oh, but they were But they weren't Asian. Okay. That was the extraordinary thing. And I thought, yeah. hold on, there's something yeah. happening here. Yeah. So I went for my 11th year back to Medem, back to Cannes, usual trip. But when I left this country, 
I'd done a deal with Sony in the UK and I was getting some evidence. And just as I left this country, I was told, get ready for this, it was going to go into number 10 into the mainstream charts. Amazing. That's the prediction. That's prediction. what you wanted, though. That, and that's yeah. the thing, isn't it? Yeah. So then I landed in Nice, in Cannes, and I went to the exhibition of all, and then we listened to the charts Sunday morning. So it's projected to go to number 10. It didn't go to number 10. It didn't go to nine. It didn't go to eight. It didn't go to seven. It didn't go to six. It charted at five. Amazing. How so amazing is that? So we had charted and then we got a call from Jay-Z and we charted in America, went number seven in America. And then we knocked off Roland Keating in Italy. We went to number one. Wow. We ha and we had a further number eight. We had a further eight number ones. Brilliant. And it became the biggest global track of that year. Amazing. So it is. The dream but was a Keep dreaming is a message, isn't it? You keep, you keep going with that dream. That's a, that's a brilliant story. I love, I love listening to that. It's, it, you know, and yeah. that, I think that's the thing, isn't it? If you are passionate enough about something and you know in your whole heart of hearts that it's going to work, then you just keep pushing on, don't you? And you've, got to keep, you've got to keep pushing. And then, yeah. and then we, did, we did what we had to do and we got it licensed all around the world. The only country we didn't license was China, but we sold it everywhere else. Yeah. And then at that point, I thought to myself, do you know something... I may need to now think about something else. Because, you know, once you've done what you set out to do. It's what's next. Yeah. Yeah. next. yeah. And also, what was also happening at the time was these mobile, left mine somewhere, the mobile phone came along and the whole business model changed. People were downloading. Yeah. So I looked at my skill set. Um, so the downloading was quite, quite important because it really did change everything we did. So we had a big warehouse full of CDs and vinyls. They all had to go. We had people who were employed. Uh, just to run trucks and then taking all the uh, the products in, logging them all, all had to go because we all went digital. That's so, it, isn't it? It's adapting. You've it's got adapting. To, yeah. So, yeah. So, I, so, so those people who think about what's happening now, mm. adapting. So I had to do it back in 2007. Yeah. So I had to go. And what I did then was, which I'm doing now, is we looked at our skill set and said, what else could we do with the same skill set? Yeah. So I understood video production. I understood entertainment, I understood branding, because I had to brand my artists, I understood marketing, I understood lighting, I understood sound. So I thought, you know something, I've got what I may need to move into another market, which was the events market. Yeah. So I thought I could probably put that together as a package and offer it to corporates, so I could go to a corporate and say, look, we'll do all of that for you, the lighting sound. So I started really as an AV audio visual company. Uh, and then some, some, somebody said to me, listen, we've got a big event coming up, but actually we need, we could do some help with organizing it and marketing it. Well, to me, it was like selling CDs. So instead of marketing a band, you market a, an event. Yeah. And remarkably, it sold out. So I thought, well, hold on. Well, maybe, maybe I've not been trained in events, but maybe those little bits and transferable skills. Absolutely. Might... So then I set up my own, events production company in a sense my own brand so then we set up the natural brand yeah. set up the signature brand um and part of that was also because i was chamber president yeah. i understood that um the black country i understood that businesses always have a challenge which is how can they how can they differentiate themselves from the competitors yeah. one how could they cut above the noise was two Third was how could they connect with other people? Fourthly, 
how could they learn about what's happening in the marketplace? And fifthly, could they get some sales from people? So those were the problems every business has. Yeah. And I thought, well, if I could put an event, an event on that would resolve all of those problems. Yeah. Um, let's go for it. And that's where the idea of putting on events came. And luckily for me, each event as we've done it has just mushroomed and exploded. Yeah. Um, very very popular events and and yeah, very yeah, well so, run really well run you know and, 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 they, really and, of course you're, and of course you're an award winner you were the one at the, <laughs> uh, at, the at the last you, know, you deserved it for what you did but Thank you. you know i spoke to i spoke to someone today um so we were covering their story for the magazine we're just about to put out and again yes. transferable skills exactly for the yeah the magazine's called the Business Influencer Magazine. And I said to him, again, a brilliant story of, you know, how he said it was a small company. And I said, well, look, what did the award do for you? So remember problems, what, how, how does my events resolve problems? And he said, well, well, firstly, when people walk in, they see the award. Yeah. And immediately they go, wow, what did you get this for? He said, secondly, when we're pitching for work, the fact that we've won an award may just tip it. Yeah. And he said, thirdly, then, this was really interesting. He said, he gave me a cause. He gave me a reason to wake up in the morning and to reach for the skies. Oh, that's really lovely. I mean, yeah. you did it. I think, I think for, for, for our experience of winning, it just re, um, reaffirms that what your belief and your dream and your drive and what you're aiming for has been recognised that that's, you know the 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 level that you wanted it to be at was was what what you know yeah. what was acknowledged. So it's a great I, it's a great thing to do for someone. I, I, I mean, I also say to people when they say, "Well, what if I don't win it?" And, and I say, "Well, look again back to those problems. You know, yeah. you, you've still got that issue of making yourself different." And so I always cite them an example. I always say, "Well, look, um, the Sunday Times and Peel Hunt they do a a non-exec directors of the year award." And um, so the chamber said to me, we want to put you forward. I said, yeah, just go for it. I said, I'm probably not going to win it, but just go for it. Just listen, what have we got, what have we got to lose? No, there's nothing to lose. Always said, what have we got to lose? Yeah. Um, uh, and it was an arduous uh, process. And suddenly the, the word came through, you're a finalist. And oh, wow, it's quite extraordinary. So I went to, the, went to the awards and somebody picked me to the post. In fact, they were very good. They were very good. They did deserve it. And I said, and then uh, as I left the as I left the event, I uh, I tweeted congratulating him. I said, look, well done, fully deserved. Uh, that tweet was picked up by a local newspaper, okay, who then ran the story in the morning. Uh, local oh, wow. businessman, local businessman gets runner up in national awards. Runner up, I didn't win it. <laughs> yeah, but, but you still got that publicity. Amazing. 100%. Yeah. So they ran with it, and then everybody else started congratulating me. And then the Sunday Times ran an article, and in there, they put my name because I was running up. But here's the big thing. Here's the big thing. So, well, people first commiserate, oh, number two, that can't have been very good. Well, actually, no, it was very good. Yeah. Obviously. You've got some, yeah, you've got some extra but press, yeah. The best, the best was yet to come. I then got a call from the Sunday Times saying, would you now like to be a judge? And, and, and yeah, there's, there's nothing better than that. Is that. So now, I, yeah. now I'm a judge, and when I go down to Claridge's or whatever they hold it every year, yeah. I'm now mixing with the best of the very best. Yeah. But it all started 
because we put an application in. Yeah, if you've got to be in it, you've got to be in it to win it. And even if you and don't win the award, there's like there's other spin-offs. There's other spin-offs. Yeah, and it's people understanding how to overcome fear. Yeah, how to overcome a lack of confidence. I'm not going to win it. Why should I do it? Hmm. But you, but you see, if other people are thinking the reverse of you, then people are going to remember them. I, I remember one guy. I'm just to give you an example. One guy, my final example. Um, he ran for the awards three years on the trot. Yeah. And each time, he just didn't get it. And on the fourth year, he said, um, listen, I'm not going to enter this year. I said, I'm really sorry you didn't get it. He said, no, 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 no. He said, absolutely perfect. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, for three years, you paid for videos of me. For three <laughs> years, you played the videos on screen. Yeah. For three years, everybody saw me. He said, now, I know everybody in the room. I've got loads of business. I'm off. Happy days, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it is. It is it's, it's, yes, the awards are, are, are amazing and it's great to have the recognition. But like you say, even if it's a runner-up, you're still showcasing what those people do. And there's the networking. You know, it, there's and, and so much more than that. You know, you bring some fantastic thought leaders into the process. And, you know, it's such a great experience to have. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I you know I mirror what what's said about about your natural awards that they're, they're fantastic. Um, Thank you. Tell me, Ninda, because this current situation is yes. is been a bit rubbish. Let's be honest in, in the uh, in the nicest possible way to say it. But um, you've alluded to challenges that you faced in the past. You know yeah. what what sort of guidance could you give people what challenges have you faced that you've had to overcome okay so when this hit us and it did hit us like a brick yeah um we go into and i came across this model we go into lots of stages of how to cope so i think the first thing that hits is shock we just go into shock can't believe what's going on here then we go into denial then we think it doesn't really affect it'll be fine it'll be fine it'll be fine tomorrow then when you realize it's not going to be fine you then get angry and then you start to say well this is not right this you know shouldn't have happened to me and i was doing this and this was happening and and you turn to anger now so that now you're really angry then you get a chance to reflect so then you go to the next the final stage, you sit back, you accept that it's happened. So you reflect, you then go through an acceptance. Once you've done the acceptance, you then start to rationalize and find a way out of it. So if you're in one of those stages, don't be surprised. We've all been there. I was going to say, and I, I know how I've, I've been flitting in and out of all of those. <laughs> Correct, there correct. hasn't really been a consistent now, way. Now, no. The problem between the two when I went through it in 2007 and this one. Yeah. This in 2007, listen, oh, it was obvious my model was dead. There was no way back. Yeah. This is not down to legislation. This wasn't down to a pandemic. This was down to a structural shift in my industry. So I could, uh, I, I, I had to accept it. I had to accept it, and I had to move. So obviously, we moved into another place. The record label is still going. We're now obviously selling digital stuff. So we had to make the change. Yes. Here we've got to remember, despite where you are on those on that curve, it's not our fault. 
No. In the first one, it was my fault. I never saw the disruptive nature of technology. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, partly that was my fault. I was oblivious to it. So this time around, I'm not as shocked as I was first time around for two reasons. Uh, one is I've been there before. Much easier second time around. And secondly, actually not, nothing wrong with my business model. No. There's nothing wrong with the event. Structurally, it's sound. No. We've just been beaten down by an external force which we could not predict it. No. So I think we shouldn't beat ourselves up. We shouldn't get angry about it. Uh, we should accept that it's just happened. We're not alone. Everybody else is in the same boat. Yeah. Then what you have to do is you have to think, right, so how do we make use of this time whilst external forces, not us, yeah. have affected us? So in our case, uh, Narinda and I, you've met Narinda, so yeah. she works alongside me. So we tend to want someone to sit down and thrash out ideas, just generally. Yeah. And we make a list of things and we dismiss some of them because they're not going to work. We dismiss some of them because the timing's not right. Yeah. Uh, we dismiss some of them because um, we haven't got the resources. And so we park things and we revisit yeah. them. So when this hit us, the shock was over quite quickly. Yeah. Um, we weren't, there's no point in getting angry. And we moved into acceptance quite quickly. And we moved into action. And how we moved into action, we, we pulled those notes out, yeah. reviewed those ideas and thought, well, you know those things we thought we couldn't do then, quite rightly, let's do them now. That's it, isn't it? I mean, so, just the same with my husband, actually, because I sit there and say, what do you think about this? Oh, there you are off on a tangent again. Or what do you think about that? And I, and I mentioned about setting up this, this podcast and he, he sat there and he said, do you know what? I actually think you should do that. <laughs> I do actually think you should do it. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? You, you have that many different ideas bubbling away all the time and you think to yourself, I can't, I can't send myself off a million different ways. It's not possible. And, you know, there's, there's got to be work-life balance somewhere. A little one, you know, I've got to make sure I've got time for him too. But equally in this time you have to be a bit inventive don't you and and look at other ways that you can get your message out there so yeah well, something almost almost i would say to people you should do that regularly you yeah. should come up with ideas log the ideas archive yes. them you can't yeah. Yeah. and then sometimes generally it's about timing and capacity and yeah. when the two come together which is what it's done here so what we're setting and i just referred to it earlier we're, we're setting out it's part of our ecosystem. That was yeah. something we wanted to build. So it's the Business Influencer magazine. Yes. So what that does is that allows us to stay in touch with our community. Of course. Uh, it allows us to continue to brand ourselves while the event's game is quiet. It also allows us to continue a relationship with all those who supported us, who now continue and want their brand. Remember back to those problems I said at the start? Yeah. Yeah, they still want to stay relevant. And so the business magazine will be out probably in about another couple of weeks and we're getting a great response to it. Yeah. Um, and of course, supporting that will be the podcast. So the podcast supports the magazine. The magazine supports the podcast. Yeah. And both of those will support and be supported by once we're up and running the events. Yeah. So really it's dovetailing everything together and uh, making sure uh, our problem will be, it's a nice problem to have, is when the events get kicking, then we're gonna to have to build a special team that we yeah. all that say, well, you take care of the magazine. We've set it up now, we've got it yeah. rock and rolling. Uh, you now continue that, whereas Rund and I will then revert back. And that's where the transferable skills come in. Yeah. We can revert back 
to the events. But again, putting a publication together wasn't that hard because one, we had the contacts. Yes. Secondly, I read quite a bit, so I know what's going on around the world. So I know what other people might be interested in. Um, and of course, it's back to transferable skills. We know how to market, we know how to put these things together. Yeah. And we know how to put the product out. And because we've got a nice brand building up, it might not be as tough as it would be otherwise. No. And I mean, I think resilience is a thing that we have to have in abundance, isn't it, yeah. at the moment? And, you know, yes, it's rubbish. Yes, it's, but you have to get your mindset around that and say, what can I do? What can I control? And how can I move forward? And I think if you, if you can do that, that's, that's half the battle, isn't it? Because you can't, you know, there's nothing we can do about the pandemic, but what we can do is deal with our mindset, how we're making decisions. You know, yes, our, our industry is not operating at all at the yeah. moment. There's little grassroots, but while that's 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 the case, what can we be doing? And you know, you're you know, you're a true example of making sure that you you found a way to still incorporate and bring in you know all of your sponsors and the people that work with you and you know inspiring people so you know it's it, it's great to hear what top five tips would you give to any young aspiring entrepreneurs right now because there's a lot there's so many new businesses that yeah. have been formed at this time so what what tips what I, tips have you got i think almost back to the resilience and this sort of yes, answer, yeah. answer this question yeah i think almost you need to have the mindset of a startup yes yeah. Does that make sense? So, so no matter where you are with your industry uh, or, your, or your business, you need to have that mindset of a startup, which means you're always inquiring, always questioning. So I would say to any startup, whether you're just, uh, a business that's just waiting for everything to kick off, is so for, start, for a complete startup, um, do something you love doing. Yeah. Because... Yeah that will get you through the dark moments. Mm -hmm. Don't pick something you think you can make money from because when the first obstacle hits you, you're going to fall because actually you did it for the wrong reasons. You're doing it for the money. Yeah. If you can do something you love doing, yeah. something you're passionate and people are prepared to pay for it, mm. you're on your way. Yes. Because when you do hit those brick walls, You'll, re you'll be reminded of why you were doing it. So back to my dream of breaking the charts. Yeah. That was my driving force. I didn't know what would happen money-wise, but that was my driving force. And if I achieve nothing else in life, I can at least sit back and say, I had a top five UK hit. Yeah, yeah? absolutely. Um, so, so, so I think firstly, make sure it's something you really enjoy and something you can charge for. Yeah. Um, secondly, uh, and I can attest to this, be prepared to work hard. Mm. Have a passion, but nothing, but nothing. There are occasionally places you can make a fast track, but generally speaking, you cannot substitute hard work. Can't. No. If you don't like putting the hours in, it's not going to work for you. No. That's second point. Yeah. Third point, surround yourself with people better than you. So I, I never knew those years ago what a word called mentor was. Didn't have a clue. But if you can find a mentor, you can bounce ideas off. That would be good. Now, I tell you who I bounce my ideas off a lot. 
Oh, come on. You're my good wife. Yes. Well, my good wife. She's, she's amazing. So yeah. I'm not, I'm I'm not surprised. Yeah. yeah. So I come up with crazy ideas and she'll bring them all. Or she'll bring them <laughs> Or, or should bring a level of realism. Realism, yes. My husband does that with me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so sometimes I make an error and I can forget, literally, honestly, literally, I can forget it in three seconds. But my wife does it. She goes, hold on, let's reflect and ask ourselves what it is. So one other thing is you will have a lot of failures. Don't dwell on them. Yeah. Because back to mindset, we spoke about mindset. Yes. That will bring you down because mm -hmm. you'll remember all the bad times and not the good ones. Yeah. So where possible, yeah, you made the mistake, but try and uh, move on, learn from it, learn yeah. and then move on. Yeah. But that leads to my fourth point, and you've said it a few times. You're going to have to be resilient. Mm. There are going to be some dark moments coming up, and it's your ability back to mindset, your ability to cope with them, and it might be that's where the mentor or the good people around you will remind you why you're doing it yeah. and that there'll always be light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, there's good times ahead. Yeah, my fifth one, which is very important, um, is watch your numbers. Yeah. I tell you what I do every morning, first thing I do is whether I'm quiet or whether we're busy, I switch the PC on and I check all my numbers. I check my zero, I check my banks, I check everything just to make sure that we're still on prediction now some people might say now here's a bit of advice some people might say well are you sure not well i'll tell you what happened yesterday you won't believe this because i have this real strict i'll do it every time check it's your regime yeah yeah um i discovered somebody took 10 grand out of my credit what card. 10 grand now obviously no if you it. hadn't checked so because I was able to make the That's call. a good message for everybody out there. So I was able to, because I do this rigidly every day, I've gone through everything. I spotted it straight away. And so when I notified the bank, they were able to move on it very quick because I'd spotted it quick in real time. Uh, but I think most, I mean, that's just a, just an idea of where you, you can get it. But I think the reason why numbers is important, and we know this, um, most startups fail because they don't manage their cash flow. Yeah. And so for long-term planning, even short-term, you need to be on top of the numbers. And my advice to somebody who says, well, I'm not very good at numbers, which is fine, then make sure the person sitting next to you... I was going to say, there's someone else that... But, yeah, is, yeah. is very good at you numbers. Can, you can delegate that to them, as long as you've yeah. got a handle on the numbers. Yeah, absolutely. On numbers, because the one thing that will bring you down, we've had a lot of very successful businesses suddenly overnight yeah. collapse. And that's because they didn't keep an eye on the numbers. So that's my five Brilliant. bullet points. As to what absolutely. I totally agree with you there. Um, massively. So, I mean, you're on the go all the time. There's yeah. lots going on. When do you get downtime? What, what, you're a busy man. You know, there's lots yeah, going yeah. on in your life. Besides your well, business, you, you know, you're deputy lieutenant for the West Midlands and you... You know, you, you, you do so many things, you know. I no, mean, well, what do you do for downtime? Okay, for, well, downtime is, is, is a difficult question to answer. And I'll, t I'll tell you why. Because my work blurs into my social life, if that makes sense. Yeah. So um, one of the benefits of networking is during the first recession, the last recession, 
our food bill was considerably lower because I was networking every night. <laughs> I, I, I sort of convinced myself it was a bit of an austerity drive from the household. But anyway, um, but I'm out all the time. I, I do meet a lot of people. I enjoy meeting people. I enjoy learning from people. Uh, and, and so therefore, it is a bit blurred. Um, I regard my job as something I really enjoy. Uh, and obviously, during the day, I see Rinda. That's my wife. We work together. Uh, my son's now just joined us, so we see oh, quite amazing. a bit of him. So we see quite a bit of him. Um, so really, come by the evening, my wife's probably glad to get rid of me. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of interest, I, I tell you what I've done a lot of during these last three months. I've been reading quite a bit. So yeah. I've been reading quite a bit. Uh, did quite a bit of sport in the garden. A lot of badminton. But I do like cricket and I do like football. And, and somebody did say to me, and, you know, I've read a lot of books around sports. And, and, and here's another tip, really, is people say, I think quite rightly, that you can learn a lot from sports. Yeah. So, example, if uh, I was going to run for, say, the marathon, and, and typically what a sports uh, coach would say, right, let's break it down into steps. Yeah. You know, you're going to, in one year time, you're going to run 26 miles. Let's buy two months, we should be doing this by three should we do that by four months we should and it's all long and you work towards the bite-sized chunks yeah. and eventually you get there. that's what sports teaches you precision planning and dedication yes of course what it doesn't plan for is a pandemic no so i say to people yeah follow what sports people do but actually what you might want to follow is what music people do yes Oh, how amazing do. have the artists been? Yeah, and, amazing. What, the and what the musicians yeah. do, and, and I'm a musician, is that we learn to create new stuff all the time. Yeah. So what will get you through the next five years will be your ability to create new ideas, yeah. new thoughts, new ways of working. This is maybe where planning doesn't actually help you. No. It's your ability to think outside the box to think in a non-linear way, not in a planned way. Yeah. And to think outside the box, to think what can you do with yourself? And for once, I will say, there is stuff to learn from sport, but actually, there's more to learn from the music industry. The in creatives the way they, of this world, yeah. The way they create, the way yeah. they dismiss ideas, go through loads of ideas, are happy to lose some ideas, yeah. or pick new ones up the time. And musicians, their very DNA, is creativity. Yes. So I would say to anyone now, doesn't matter where they're on that cycle, mm -hmm. be creative. I think that's perfect advice. So, Linda, we know you're launching your podcast. We know that your magazines come in. We know that your events will come, but it will be when it's safe to do so. And, yes. um, you know, I totally understand why doing, not doing it in a virtual sense, because the whole essence of your events you physically need to be there yeah, you need that yeah. human interaction and connection so i that's totally right. get that absolutely but what's next what's coming up for you what's what you know that these are great things that are going on but i saw something about your events in india so what's that all yeah, about yeah. Tell, tell me about tell me about 2021 okay. and 2022 and yep yep so we've been planning for a while to get into india um so 2022, and I think we'll be fine by then. We're planning to go to Delhi. So we're taking the signature awards to Delhi. We've already had an interest from their neighbor, 
Pakistan. So somebody in Pakistan has said, can you bring it there? I said, well, let's get India done first. Yeah. I've had interest from Africa. And so I'm talking to the Africans next week. So almost sitting here, I've got a bit of the sports thing. So I've got yeah. the next three to five years lined up. But I'm also adopting the musicians thing, which is creating new products for now. Yeah. So I've got a short-term strategy, but I've also got always aiming yeah. for the long-term. Yeah. So I think you just need to have that kind of mindset. Yeah. And I think if you stay positive and you stay creative and you surround yourself with great people, you will nothing but succeed. And I, I, I think there's, there's nothing more that I can add to that. I mean, what an inspiring, brilliant chat. Thank so you. Thank you so much for your time. I really, really do appreciate it. And I know everybody else will have loved that as well. Um, and wish you every success with, with all of your elements, all of those things. Likewise with you. And I'm sure we'll look forward to the day when the events picks up again. And yes. uh, we'll, bring, we'll bump into each other. Absolutely. Thank you from there. Yeah, we will. You take care, Ninja, and thank you. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye. We're sure you'll agree that was a brilliant episode too. Thank you so much for your time, Ninda Johal. Really enjoy speaking with you. And it's great to hear what natural and what you're up to um, during this time and what you've got planned for the future. We wish you every success with your podcast and with your publications. If you're enjoying listening to the Sheer Business Inspiration podcast and would like to know more about Sheer Edge, please feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And that's where all of these chats will be uploaded um, so you can see it visually as well as listening to it. Next week... We are delighted to be welcoming Natalie Querio for episode three. So don't forget to send us any questions you may have for Natalie. For those of you that might want to know a little bit more, Natalie is a director of Inspire to Quit Blades, which is a community interest company using her own horrific experience. She is now shaping the way and supporting others in their difficult and challenging times. Natalie is also a director of Natalie Q Inspire as a motivational speaker. She is the best-selling author of Still Standing and also a TEDx speaker. So I'm sure you'll agree it will be a brilliant and inspiring chat. So any questions, please feel free to send them across to us ready for our discussion with Natalie. Thanks for listening.